Welcome to this week's edition of Record Roundtable, where every month we uh, show up and tell you about music that we were listening to that that's new, came out in the month, and the month that we just left is March. This is Caleb Robinson speaking. Blah, blah, blah. Who More like Wrongbinson. Wrongbinson. Caleb Robinson speaking. I'm here with. Jared is here. Tyler's here too. Everybody's in the house. And again, Everybody we're talking about. clap your hands. March, 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 March. Turn it out. So I don't usually start with my first uh, album being my favorite album, but I am indeed doing that for the March episode. My favorite album of the month was from Genesis Owusu who is an Australian artist, uh, and his new album is called Smiling With No Teeth, came out pretty early in the month. That song was The Other Black Dog. I believe I made both Jared and Tyler uh, listen to some of that album. Did you guys have any uh, thoughts on Smiling With No Teeth or Genesis Owusu? He's a very interesting uh, feller. He is. Yeah. It's his debut, isn't it? It is. It is his debut album. He's been around for a little bit, kind of just floating around making singles. Uh, I particularly liked the um, the uh, like aversions that I listened to with you guys, uh, especially in particular the one he did for Anarchy in the UK. He's got a lot of really cool energy to him, and I think that it uh, it translates into the album really well. Smiling with no teeth is very odd because uh, in 53 minutes he really covers the gamut of music quite a bit. He uh, has moments where he sounds like Death Grips. And then like soul and funk music, and then hip hop. He just he's kind of all over the place, and I like uh, I like that he was able to do so many different things. Did either of you listen to the full album or just the songs that I showed you? I did not listen yeah. to the full album. Tyler, did yeah, I listened that. to it. What do you think about the album? Good album. I like the instrumentation because it's it's spar- it's diverse. Indeed, and that's cool. Um, he also changes his voice a little bit based off of what the instrumentation puts forth as well. I would agree. Like he does the kind of like that harsher um, death grips like hip hop vocals on the songs that make sense for it. But then he can also kind of adapt and do more of the funk soul kind of vocals on those songs that kind of uh, warrant that performance. Yeah. And like not all the songs are like heavily hip hop based as well. There's a lot of them that are just R and B kind of based. Mm -hmm. So it's good. It's a good album. Yeah, I liked it quite a bit. I, uh, I I definitely recommend that one. I'm gonna get to uh, one of the other ones that I really really enjoy because I know that Tyler is very excited to talk about it. We're gonna talk about the new album "Promises" from Floating Points, Pharaoh Sanders, as well as um, what's the symphony, Tyler? London Symphony Orchestra. Thank you. Let's uh, let's listen to some of that. So I intentionally played uh, what I think is one of the more interesting moments of the album, uh, which was the the fourth movement. 
so Floating Points is a electronic artist. And uh, Pharaoh Sanders, anybody who's familiar with music would know, Pharaoh Sanders is one of really the last living uh, jazz legends of yesteryear, mm-hmm. really. He uh, kind of first started gaining some traction in like the mid-60s. He uh, started playing like kind of prominently with John Coltrane. And what I was, I kind of did some research just thinking about the, I guess the, the importance of a Pharaoh Sanders album today, really. Um, one of the other kind of last living jazz, you know, classics uh, is uh, Chick Carrera, and he passed away like two months ago. So Pharaoh Sanders is really like one of the very last living one of those people uh, in yeah. that kind of scene. So to have him playing saxophone on this album is kind of a big deal, if you ask me. Yeah, I think so as well. It's pretty big, and it it's it's kind of like a new passing on to a new era of jazz in an extent because this is really kind of just like a jazz album. It, it turns into really like kind of midway through once you get to movement, I don't know, five or six. It I'd, does tend I'd to like six. Yeah, it does tend to kind of move into a more of a um, cinematic type symphony performance like a modern classical yes yeah uh, to an extent but the especially early on it's really just like um some type of it almost sounds like new jazz but as if one new jazz song was spread into four movements and had more space to breathe right it's uh it's it's really an odd kind of because it's it's very the, the word that i think is the easiest way to describe it especially early on is minimalistic it's yeah. uh, that same kind of tone you hear at the very beginning of Movement 4. You hear almost throughout the whole album every, like, what, yeah. nine seconds? It's a standard motif. It's, like, it's the motif that is the constant, and then everything else is on top of it. Right. And it's uh, – so Ferris Sanders, of course, plays saxophone at various points on the album. That part that I played was him kind of, like, doing these odd – vocal syllables that don't have any kind of meaning to them, which is why I think it's kind of a, a fun part of his performance that's on there. But yeah, you're right. There is a kind of those uh, big orchestral moments that come in kind of later in the album. And then even farther later in the album, they kind of go like almost weird psychedelic kind of like old psychedelic sounds that they put into it as well, which also was a whole different layer. I wasn't expecting on the album. Mm hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's very it's very centered in jazz, but also has really kind of it has bits of all three of the kind of focal points of the album. It's got the electronic end of floating points, the jazz point of Pharaoh Sanders, and then the orchestral points of London Symphony Orchestra. So it's it's really honestly an impressive album, and it's not one that like you should listen to a song of. Like you really kind of have to sit down and listen to all of it. It's a patience testing album for sure. So. Yeah, I mean, it's worth it. You do pretty much have to listen to all of it, but it's it goes by faster than you might think. Like, I sat at lunch and listened to this one day this week and just listened to the whole thing, and it was nice. Yeah, I, I listened to it at work, kind of just like a, not mindlessly, like I was still kind of taking it in, but it is a good album to kind of have as like a background soothing, almost like spellbinding uh, experience. But also, if you like sit down and kind of dig into it, there's a lot more that you can kind of get out of it, I think. Mm-hmm. So. I'm going to do uh, one more album that I 
particularly liked from this month, and then I'll send it over. I know Jared's got a lot of things he wants to talk about, and of course I want to check in with Tyler to see what he was listening to as well. But I'm going to go ahead and play the new album, uh, Harem, from the uh, hip-hop group Armand Hammer. I swore vengeance in the seventh grade, not on one man, the whole human race. I'm almost done, God be praised. I'm almost done, every debt gets paid. I used to cut grass and smile like I meant it. We squatted in the shade when the mowers overheated. Came home stinking of gas in the evening. It wasn't any one thing, it was the sequence. The intoxication of So that new album from Arm and Hammer came out same week as the album from uh Pharaoh Sanders and Company. That one just recently came out. And Arm and Hammer is a group that I really kind of got into about three years ago. It consists of um, a Lucid as well as Billy Woods, who I think both of you have probably heard me talk about Billy Woods at some point now. Yes. Uh, Billy Woods, I think, is one of the more interesting kind of experimental uh, hip-hop artists of today that still is quite under the surface. And Arm & Hammer is their collective group. This album is produced by The Alchemist, The Alchemist being uh, a producer who's pretty also big in the hip-hop scene. Uh, and it's it's really quite good. It's very much still in line with the Arm and Hammer kind of sound, which is very like gruff and kind of dark, dense, uh, very built out of kind of the the Brooklyn, New York kind of area uh, uh, of sound. I think it's really good for anybody who kind of likes this form of hip hop from somebody who might like like a Quelle Chris or Earl Sweatshirt even. Uh, in his more kind of modern type of music. Tyler, have you ever listened to anything really from Billy Woods or Arm & Hammer other than maybe like snippets that I've shown you before? Not really. I didn't think I didn't think you had. And Jared, I know you've kind of probably heard me listen to Billy Woods uh, a handful of times at this point because I return to him a lot. Um, but I, I would say that Arm & Hammer is one of those kind of groups that, uh, again, are kind of under the surface to the point where maybe – hip-hop fans still don't know about them but if they did land on them would probably find a lot of worth in it the album really flows really well the songs are very very good across the board it is a album worth checking out jared please take it away tell me about some of the stuff that you've been listening to in the month of march looks like you've got a lot to talk about well see uh here's what i told caleb i was gonna do because i missed last month so I'm going to briefly mention a few things that came out last month uh, that I did not get to mention previously, which I think I'll only really mention maybe two things. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them being a, a group called Teenage Wrist that had an album come out called Earth is a Black Hole. Uh, that's a pretty good album. It came out last month. We do not need to play it. Post Malone. Oh, my goodness. This man is wild. He released a cover of... Uh, Hootie and the Blowfish's song "Only Want to Be with You" for Pokemon Day. Yep, and he released a music video. Pokemon Day being their 25th anniversary. Yes. Yep. Uh, music video where he is uh, Pokemon, kind of. He he's been animated, and he performed at the 25th anniversary thing, and it is wild. And then, White. then this month, just a few days ago, uh, Matthew McConaughey. Put together a benefit for Texas for their 
uh, power outage situation and the everybody having all these big bills because Texas is a bunch of big dum-dums. And uh, so he had all these people, uh, all these country music artists. Clint Black was on there, uh, a bunch of people. And the last thing was Post Malone doing uh, two covers, one a Brad Paisley cover, which was very good, and then a, a Sturgill Simpson cover. And he covered two country things, and it is amazing. He sounds good on it. It's yeah. weird. Yeah. I, I honestly, like, I was surprised at how well he performed the songs that you were playing. He is crazy because last year he did an entire Nirvana set. Like, what is he? It's, he just it's does amazing. What he wants, really. Like, uh, mm. all the comments are like, if he releases a country album, I'll love it. If he releases a rock album, I'll love it. Yeah. <laughs> like, this guy is, he's like, He's gonna be the best thing. <laughs> the best thing ever. I just don't. I just hope nobody gets him. Yeah. Uh, so I'll start with. Uh, I suppose I don't know if I'll start for with March, March now. Yes, we're yes, all. I'll, I'll, I'm past uh, April now. I suppose. Yep. Um, you mean February? We're coming. Oh in yeah, April, yeah. You're right. Baby. Sorry. Oh my goodness. We got nothing Time. for April yet because it's not here yet. Uh, I don't. I'm, I was thinking I would start with my favorite uh, thing from last month. Go for it. I. I think it is uh, the band Dollar Signs, which I'd never heard before, but it's kind of like a Mom Jeans. Uh, what what's uh, what's that other band? Mom Jeans and um, in that same realm. Oh no! There, there's all those names. I don't know. It's not movements, is it? No, not movements. It doesn't um, matter. Okay, uh, I'll think of it and I'll, I'll just sort of yell it out. But uh, uh, this song. Uh, is called I Love You and it's from the album Hearts of Gold. You're thinking of the Wonder Years. I'm not thinking of the Wonder Years. Really? That's what that sounds like. That's super wonder. Years. I like uh, the the harmonica in there. The whole album is very, like a lot of the songs are very different, but it's very much like that genre. Uh huh. But like, it, it's it, I don't know. I liked it. I, I, I it was a very uh, pretty decent album. It also reminds me of Bomb the Music Industry. Do you remember them? Yes, yes, yes. I can hear a lot of Bomb the Music, and so uh, that's uh, Jeff Rosenstock's um, uh, initial group, and he's he's come a little bit farther into being somewhat more popular outside of that group, which is still surprising to me, but yeah. it's, it definitely has kind of elements of those types of things. And there are things that I know that you would uh, enjoy. So I think the other like band it. I was thinking of is free throw. They're oh, kind of like kind mom of jeans. They're in that same ballpark. They're a little punkier than mom jeans though. Yeah. 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 But it's just like the kind of the, I don't know, like I don't, I don't really know how to describe that but i just know like in that realm of what it is basically sure you know what i mean yeah um uh a band that uh i have a, a weird story for but chevelle a rock band from the uh, 2000 are you era. about to tell me you like this album i like the album all right uh I, they're it. very interesting it's funny because uh so they said basically before this album came out they were like we did some things different and uh, if our fans like it, then we'll keep making albums. But if they don't like it, we'll probably take a break for a while. So okay. they really put their their fans uh, you on, know, the spot. on the spot. Yeah. Hey, if you don't like this, you don't get any more. But uh, the whole album was pretty good. Uh, the story I have to tell is uh, la a few several years ago, 
uh, my father was in a car accident, and a friend of mine messaged the band Chevelle because we were supposed to go see Chevelle live in concert, me, my dad, and my sister. Uh, and we were like, hey, my dad got in a car accident, and we would really mean a lot to him if you would come to the concert. And they did not come not... to the concert. I'm sorry, come to the hospital. Come yes, to the hospital. Yes. And It'd be really great if you'd come take our dad from yeah. his hospital no, bed, no, no. wheel him out to the Chevelle show. So uh, he, they did not respond to the message. And so then the friend just kept posting on their Facebook page and been like, why don't you come see my friend's dad? And bothered them every post and call, basically called him jerks. And then they blocked him. <laughs> yep. Oh, boy. <laughs> Oh, uh, that's if funny. You, if you don't like us in concert, then we'll make you go away. So, I did eventually see Chevelle live uh, with my friend Sarah. They it was Chevelle and uh, uh, like Breaking Benjamin and things like that. That was at the hospital that you guys were at. Yes, it was the concert. Yeah, uh, the hospital ho- concert. The hospital concert because the, uh, they're fine with those now. But uh, anyway, so this song uh, uh, is from the album called. Uh, Nyradius, Nyradius, but it, it's an right. an, it's a, a an, an not an is that anagram or what's that other thing called? Acronym. It's, it's an anagram. acronym. We're getting it wrong all the time now. Nothing is real. Something, something, something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so this That's song is called "Remember When." I guess I can hear some differences in like the tonality of the instrumentation, mm. but as a vocalist, he just doesn't have like a whole lot of like he's got range, yeah. but like uh, the diversity's not there. Like he's kind of got to do the same song over and over again vocally. Yeah. So a couple things. Uh, I watched this video, and it's this guy that kind of reviews vocalists of, uh, on YouTube, mm-hmm. and he was talking about actually how uh how he's a really great vocalist because of what he does with his voice and like the different like uh like the the way he breathes before mm-hmm. and after he hits certain notes that mm. are like really interesting and so it made me appreciate him a little bit more um with with his vocal performance for this album i really like the thing i like about this album i really love the like the instrumentation like the riffs like it's very riff heavy and it, i thought it was really good like throughout the album mm-hmm. um and it like kind of tells it's not a, a concept album necessarily but it does try and tell some kind of story like there's interludes and such and there's an instrumental song but i don't know it was okay it was a pretty decent uh, rock album which it's rare you know that you get that to a certain extent sure so I will uh, take a breather and let Tyler tell us some stuff. Okay. I guess I'll do that then if you want me to, it's not badly. First, I'm going to start. I've got five more albums-ish to do here. And I'll just hit a couple of the brief ones that I don't really care to talk about as much, but I think are maybe worth bringing up. One is Lana Del Rey's new album. I figured that we would maybe spend a little bit of time on the Lana Del Rey album. I liked it. I figured everybody I listened probably to listened it. to I it. I listened to it twice, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was I was not waiting for it, really. No. But uh, I, I thought it was pretty good. So, Tyler? Yeah, I don't think it's too bad. I mean, doesn't it 
I, I knew that it was uh, pretty well accepted from what I had seen, but mm-hmm. I'm not sure I like it that much. I think it's just kind of on par with most of the rest of her stuff. I mean, it certainly just sounds like a Lana album. I'm not a huge fan of her voice. I know people have uh, have been somewhat critical of it to an extent sure. because of the lack of clarity, Which I, but I just don't think it's super great. But um, I did really enjoy the song Dark But Just a Game. I that's the one that I think I yeah that's the one I like the most as well off of that album yeah it's a little bit like especially because most of this album it kind of stays in line with the tonality and ideas and standard sound of her music and that one actually just kind of like makes a a a shift away from it and kind of a nice little like break in the middle of the album so that was a great song Mm. I I I kind of go back and forth I do overall enjoy the album I think I do you know, like what's going on here. I think one of the big things that I have against Lana Del Rey, kind of just a general point, is that she just kind of recycles stories when it comes down to it. She focuses mm-hmm. so uh, exclusively on, like, kind of uh, American imagery mm-hmm. in her music. And so all of her songs as songwriting sound really so much the same, which is a shame because, like, when you listen to the way that she kind of uses wordplay and the way that she writes, it is, you know overall interesting however it's that she exclusively focuses on the same content so it loses the impact that it has if she would diversify a little bit more in terms of what she's singing about i think i would enjoy her more i do think that she covers a couple different types of music on this album more so than other albums she's done in the past she tones down a little bit more on the kind of big uh, cinematic sound that she kind of frequents all the time and goes a little bit a, a little bit more um, I I don't it's know. A just, little, it's a little more floaty and just kind of yeah, atmospheric. It's not quite as grand, right? A more muted, yeah. And so the, I think that there's some good songs on here, but it's definitely not quite. Uh, I, I wouldn't have spent a whole lot of time on the album broadly. Yeah. What else you got, Tyler? I've got. This is just a quick, uh, not very good, but we'll talk about it because for me in my personal life, my past is worth it. Kings of Leon had a new album come out. It's not good, not very good at all, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wasn't it like a uh, 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 what NFT kind of kind of thing? You know what I'm talking about? They put it out as like some kind of uh, fungible thing. Do you know what that is? Mm-hmm. No. So it's I'm like okay, so there's a uh, this new thing where you're buying digital basketball cards of like things that happen in a game you people are spending a bunch of money and that it's kind of like that it's a non-fungible token that's what an nft is gotcha and they kind of released this album as that of like you're buying it digitally but also you're getting things by buying it i, oh. I don't know it's very it was i was kind of confused by like it. your uh your digital kings of leon uh, collectible cards i don't know exactly i didn't get uh, i didn't really look into it a ton of exactly what you received but it seemed mm-hmm. like some kind of like a mixture of like patreon but then like it was also on spotify so anybody could listen to it so you didn't really only own like you, so really, you're buying the album perhaps for the additional content that comes with it rather than for the music that is associated yeah, with the actual I album? I don't know. I, I should have done more 
research what is that uh, like some new way to get people to buy it because you could just listen to it with a streaming service yeah i I think it's just trying to make it where people feel like they own it more Mm because you don't own anything Mm -hmm. anymore right and you own something from the band a digital imprint at that point like i don't know if they sent you like a digital ticket or something i I don't know it's very strange people are buying tweets did you know this i don't want to get too buying like tweets like you can buy somebody's uh, tweet and you own that tweet why would i want to tweet I don't know. What would I do with it? Uh, do I, I frame it? So the guy that like tweeted the very first tweet or something like that sold his tweet, uh, like at auction for like millions of dollars. It's very strange. The digitally, we're very odd right now. I don't, I don't understand it. And was I, was the tweet? Hey, new to Twitter? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Was it the very first video? Is the dude on YouTube just at the zoo? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right, let's move on. Well, I didn't even get to finish my thought on that, Mr. Take Over the Conversation in FT Boy. I'm sorry. You're it's right. You're it right. was. It's disappointing to an extent, but not really. It was quite expected because their the work's not very good. They're just not a good band anymore. But I enjoyed some of the attempted sounds that they were trying to do. They actually tried to do kind of a melding of like kind of like a synth based pop situation layered over top of some guitar work and to make it a little more interesting, which I enjoyed that style of music. They just didn't quite do it very good, very well. So it's unfortunate. Anyway, now move, move on to the next one. Uh, death from above 1979 finally has a new album. I didn't get to listen to it. I wanted to. It's not too bad. Okay. Um, I think it's a little bit toned down from the familiarity I have with death from above. You know, when I used to listen to death from above, in what high school you know um around the their debut in 04 and the physical world was like way later you know so i even heard a little bit of that one but you know the first album was pretty explosive in terms of volume and abrasiveness and this one is definitely toned down a little bit more it's not quite in your face as much but they still i guess that's probably coming from uh increased uh, studio work in terms of polishing their tonality all in all i mean i think it kind of fits in with the realm of where they've been working in though it actually sounds a little bit like a queens of the stone age album it kind of has some of that modern fight psych feel to it some of the vocal deliveries really remind me of queens of the stone age uh, and all in all i think modern was... or like early like modern Queens of the Stone Age. Gotcha. But okay. really, Josh, like Josh doesn't change his delivery all that awful much. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in terms of the vocal delivery that's reminiscent, you know, it, it extends to the majority of their career. Okay. So all in all, I thought it was pretty good. It, it was not super well received from what I could tell. But, you know, I think it just depends. It would definitely be fine for some people, people who are looking for something like that. I mean, it is kind of difficult at this point in time to find new albums of modern psych noise type stuff that reminds you of something that you've listened to before. Right. You know, a lot of the noise rock era or uh, genre is really moving further and further out. And I guess some people may be alienated by it. So all in all, I thought it was decent. Did you listen to any of it, Jaren? No, I did not. I, I had downloaded it, but I never uh, started it. I did. The same. I had several albums, so I, I didn't, I haven't listened to them in a long time. And I really only know Black History Month, which is from their first album. Mm. And I don't really know anything else. By well, I mean, it's the only album they had for 10 years. Yeah, so. I know. 
it does make it very difficult. Yeah. Well, on that note, really quickly, I'm going to, because I was going to kind of throw this one out fairly quickly as well. So, it, it, but it's in the kind of same realm as uh, the new Genghis Tron album, uh, Dream Weapon, which uh, is their first album in 13 years. Uh, they initially were kind of like a math core album, kind of in the, the realm of like a Dillinger escape plan kind of sound. And this one's almost more like a shoegazy electronic album. So it's kind of the same type of thing where like a long, long time later from the album that they created, they went in a totally different, less um, aggressive direction. I, I like it. It's not amazing or anything. It wasn't my favorite album of the, the month by any means. Um, but it's still worth checking out and maybe would alienate some people who actually liked Genghis Tron if they knew who Genghis Tron was at one point in their life, but it still has some, some good merits to it. All right. Uh, the next one that I did uh, listen to was called, I, well, I'll tell you what, I can't pronounce the name very well, but it's by Lost Girls. Mineska Collective. Gee whiz, I can't, I can't pronounce it. That's all right. Mineska. Mineska Collective. Okay. Did any of you listen to this album? I did not. I, I, I couldn't even. I didn't even hear you say it. <laughs> I think I saw that it came out, but I don't think I jumped on it. So. Uh, I saw it because I must have seen on Instagram or something that Spotify gave it best new music. So I was like, I'll give that one a go while I'm at it, you know. And it's quite interesting. It's uh, the debut the debut from this band. Five tracks, 44 minutes. Um, so there's a couple of like long. The first track is uh, the the title track. And this is kind of a, I don't know. It's kind of difficult to describe. It starts out with some spoken word uh, and synth-based back, backing stuff. And the track just kind of like tells a story. But then it comes into kind of like a, a pop-based beat driven synth situation that I don't know. It's kind of like art pop almost to an extent and it's a 12 minute song, mm -hmm. but it seems to be segmented fairly well and it flows. All right. And then from there on, you carry on to a couple of songs that are standard and more standard in length, a four minute and a six minute and then a 15 minute and then it rounds out with a six minute. So it kind of has like, I don't know what, I don't know how to describe it because it's reminiscent in a way of like, let's say prog rock in mm -hmm. terms of the way that the songs are span, right? Each song kind of tells a longer story. Mm -hmm. They just are kind of like in different places. I don't know. It, it's very reminiscent of some modern pop sounds in a different way. I would just call it art, an art pop album. That makes sense. Lost Girls, uh, uh, just for clarity, that's that's two two artists. Is that right? Or is it a case that Lost Girls also has Jenny Vol and uh, – Havard Volden, I yeah. might be mispronouncing, or is it that that's the group, those two? Well, so this is, that's a good question that I'm a bit com confused on myself because okay. it's listed under all of them. So this may be a, and I originally saw it as a Jenny Fall album, Yeah, but I believe that Jenny Fall is a part of Lost Girls. That's, that's what I was interpreting. Um, but I'm not sure if, let me take a peek. Yeah. While you do that, Jenny Vall did have a pretty well-received album about two years ago. That album was called The Practice of Love, um, which is, I think, probably uh, in probably a similar vein, I would say, kind of in that art poppy realm. Yeah. Um, I, I listened to it. I, I don't remember it as well, so I can't speak too much to The Practice of Love. It's been a long time, but um, I know that, that you know she had a, a well-received album 
not too long ago. Well, so. she's been releasing over the course of the last decade as well. So, mm-hmm. and in fact, she had an album, a 2015 album called Apocalypse Girl on uh, Sacred Bones, which is a label I've been really trying to find more and more artists on mm-hmm. uh, because it kind of spans an interesting type of different genres. So, <clears throat> this was kind of a good place to start for me. And I'm going to roll into something like I'm definitely going to listen to this album that is on Sacred Bones, but. Uh, this thing is just quite good, and it, it seems like it was a collaborative effort between her and, uh, you know, what's his name? The other guy that we, we, you mentioned. Havard Bolden. Yeah, there we go. Um, and so it can be found, who also has releases over the course of the same time period and historically has worked with Jenny Ball as well. So he worked on an album of hers in 2012, Sand. And uh, so he, he's been a part of a collaboration with her before, so perhaps this is the second one. But I just thought it was pretty enjoyable kind of interesting and the spoken word aspect to the beginning of it is kind of intriguing. It looks to me that lost girls is a collaboration between the two of them. So it's just there the two. Go. So they had just a pair. You got uh one more album. Is that what you said? Right. I had two more. I got confused. One of them you may have listened to. I'll just cover really quickly. Cause I thought it was pretty interesting and I thought it was worth it, especially because uh, they had an album come out. One or two years ago that we had talked about it. it's Jushu's new album. I do want to talk about that album. You caught me. Good. Well, we can do that one. I can do my my other one first, which I know you all probably didn't listen to, or we can talk about that one now. Well, you we, we, we mentioned it. Let's get to it. Um, so Jushu's new album is Oh No, which is a uh, collaborative effort. So um, the whole album had, well, not every song, but the majority, the majority of songs have another vocalist or um I think uh, I think it was every one of them. I think that there was maybe like one or two songs on the album, if I remember correctly. Like I, I'm seeing all, all of them have it. Uh, I believe uh, Fuzz Gong Fight does not because Angela Cio is a number is a member of Jushu. Mm. But I think all the other ones, yeah, I think all the other ones do indeed have uh, different people. Not always vocalists, but sometimes, um, you know, sometimes uh, just instrumentalists that. Uh, came into the album so i like the idea of it i do too it's not again i i enjoy uh aspects of it i think it, i i didn't love the beginning of the album but there were points in the album that definitely caught my attention two in particular one i would like to play so jamie stewart is already kind of an oddball artist kind of in the avant-garde um experimentalism maybe art pop but mostly art pop here I would say compared to um, the last album, but that's also kind of more what Shushu sounded like initially and has kind of grown to get weirder and weirder over time. But there are two songs in particular, one of them being a uh, Cure album or Cure cover of the song 100 Years that has Chelsea Wolf on it. I assume you like this one, mm-hmm. Tyler. Yeah, that one was pretty interesting. It uh, it's, it's, it's somehow even darker than the cure and this is a song off of an album that is probably their darkest album so it's like how did you how did you manage that but when it's chelsea wolf it makes sense so also i guess there's one other i'll I'll talk about in a second but the the one that i'd like to play because as i'm saying this you know everything is very odd in this album and this is easily the least uh representative song off of the entire album but it was the single that came off of it that features liz harris who is um the person who was a part of the, um, oh my gosh, Tyler, do you remember who Liz Harris is? I, she is a part of a uh, grouper. That's what it is, grouper. Um, mm. And so this song was the single, which is a weird, like, pop song, like a total just pop song. 
does not really feel like them when you listen to it. Well, this whole album I enjoyed a lot more than uh, their previous release, Girl with Basket of Fruit, which we talked about when that came out a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of weird. And I know it grew on you, although it never really grew on me, but yeah. I really enjoyed this one. And I wonder in part if it wasn't for the variety of different people that we saw collaborate on it. Certainly probably does. I think that some people did a good job with the collaboration. Uh, in particular, Sharon Van Etten is somebody who definitely nailed mm-hmm. the performance for me. And also uh, one that to me makes uh, almost too much sense um, with the context of knowing who it is, is Angus Andrew of Liars. Liars is very, very much in the same kind of realm as a shoo So it makes sense yep. that that song, uh, Rompus Room, which is a very weird song, uh, fits in, but then you have like someone like Owen Pallet, who I think just kind of faded in the background. Uh, I, I like the the performances from some people, but they don't like necessarily make sense. Like it, it goes back and forth, but yeah. Okay, so the last new album I listened to, the album, a new album by a new group called Ghost of Room, which is a collective group, a duo of Mike Doty, formerly of Soul Coughing, in his solo career. And Andrew Scrap Livingston, which is his longtime collaborator, who has been a cellist and a writer with him as well on his solo work. So they come together and created a new album that is based based off of Mike Doty's previous style of singing and songwriting that was used in Soul Coughing. So it was kind of like some type of a like white boy hip hop with a bunch of like weird samples and bass parts. Um, just kind of like stream situation. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's how he describes it. I mean, it sounds different in, in the time of soul coughing. It would have made more sense for the hip hop label to be on there. Probably nowadays with the way things have changed, maybe not. So, but regardless, um, the style that he uses on this album and the style of songwriting and sampling is significantly more reminiscent of soul coughing, but it's still, like the way that he's writing the guitar parts, the way that he's doing delivery is still very reminiscent of his solo career. So it's, it's obvious that it's become some type of a, a building situation where he's coming back into an idea of using samples and things like that. He recently, as in the past couple of years, moved to Memphis, Tennessee, and he's been spending a lot of time with local hip hop artists, just doing uh, improvisation and, stuff of that nature and he's been around those people and that's just kind of like the experience that he's had now so that's kind of what led to this new album i like it a lot um i i don't know if i could ever like not like a doty thing because i just really enjoy mm-hmm. his music and his style i think that it would certainly fit anyone who's used to his more recent solo work uh basically from i'd say well actually all of the past decade even it's kind of strained away from a little bit of a pop feel that he had initially in his solo career in the early and the mid aughts. And it certainly is also melding a lot of the sample heavy aspects and, and like upright bass and cello portion, the soul coughing stuff as well. So pretty interesting album. I think it's worth a listen for people who think they might be into it. It's kind of hard to like, I don't know who I would describe it as being similar to um, well, rather the way than that, that he... why don't we, uh, why don't we go ahead and play a song off of it? What's the song oh, sure. that you kind of enjoyed off of that album? You can go ahead and play. Uh, actually, I don't mind if you just want to play the opener more bacon than the pen can handle. I roll a godson into a 
of creaky dreams, jinko jeans and a modern screams. Doppling in the mist, inflate the vest, be awesome and true west. Don't frown, howl like Don Powell. Joan Murray and your hurry and the very end. Freak Fury and Curry on Hadrian's wall, Sam Goody and the new birth mall. More bacon than the pan can handle. I dig that actually. It's pretty good. I, uh, yeah, I, cool, I was looking at the uh, related artists to uh, Ghost of Broom. One of the ones that I think makes a lot of sense here is Drive by Truckers. Mm. I think that that seems kind of in the realm. They also mentioned Jeff Tweedy, which is kind of an interesting one. I, I don't know how much I hear of like a Wilco out of that, but maybe a little bit. I mean, that'd be more that would be more linked to Doty's solo career, probably. Mm than it would be even drive by truckers would be closer linked to solo his solo career than it would be probably this cool i will uh so what i'm going to do for the sake of time at this point i've got three more but i'm just going to go ahead and very quickly run through two of them play one more then i'm going to throw it to jared and then i have one last bit of conversation that i'd like to have so we'll, we'll kind of lightning order go through this uh one of the albums that i uh enjoyed quite a bit from this month but i don't really have anything um to play from it, I suppose, is a new album from Gazelle Twin, uh, which is Deep England. Deep England is kind of a reworking of her album from a couple years ago, Pastoral. Pastoral is kind of a weird, uh, kind of arty, electronic. It's a real odd, 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 odd album. It is uh, hard to define that one. Uh, Deep England, though, again, uh, kind of a reworking. It is very strange. Very, very, very strange. It's like um, paganistic almost. It's like there's like a choral um, moments and like gongs, and it's uh, the it's in collaboration with NYX, which is a uh, kind of a, a vocal group, and it, it's just very dark and spooky, and uh, it's got a lot of big sounds. It's hard to define. I would look into it, but uh, I would uh, ration to say you probably will not like it. Probably. Uh, the next one is uh, the new album from Serpent with Feet. It's his sophomore album, Deacon. I liked his debut album quite a bit, which was called Soil. came out in 2018. This one's um, also quite good, kind of in the vein of like a Moses Sumney to a certain degree, uh, or even a Blood Orange even maybe uh, more so. It's got a lot of the kind of, um, kind of neo-soul-ish type of sound to it. Uh, but it's a good sophomore album. I think it follows through pretty well, and Serpent with Feet is not quite uh, well-known yet, but has a sound that I think people could latch onto pretty well. But the last one, which I was very surprised by and think is uh, worth highlighting, because uh, I did not expect to enjoy it that much, is the new album from John Batiste, We Are. This is a song called Tell the Truth. So John Batiste, many would probably know as the band leader of Stephen Colbert and mm -hmm. his uh, Late Show. Yes, uh, We Are was not an album I thought I would actually get into, but I thought it was really, really good. 
Uh, which I guess, like, if you really think about it, I shouldn't be surprised because if you think about, like... Who's better, him or The Roots? Uh, it's The Roots, uh, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I, that was kind of my point is that if you think about, like, the band leaders of today and even, you know, before now, you know, they're not, like, nobodies. You know, again, you've got The Roots as a band leader. Uh, I'm obviously a big fan of J- Reggie Watts, who was involved in Comedy Bang Bang and is the band leader of... Um, oh, my gosh. Jerry, who's the one who does the... Um, uh, karaoke car thing james corden james corden yeah, james corden's um uh, band leader and then of course if you go back paul schaefer's a an accomplished musician as well yes. so i shouldn't be you know uh, surprised to see that john batiste is a good musician it's why he became a band leader of a tv show um but we are is just very much a black celebratory album uh john batiste was very involved in the black lives matter movement uh during the summer he was actually like out on the front lines like singing songs with people in new york like he was like leading the charge to a certain degree and i think that you get a lot of like the kind of the celebration of uh the culture that he is uh you know kind of entrenched in within that throughout the album it's a lot of funk a lot of soul a lot of art like uh, just a just overall very very good album it's a it's a positive listen uh in a world where we do not have a whole lot of positive listens Mm. in the same way i would listen to it whether you like Stephen Colbert's show or not. Jared, tell me more about what you listen to. Okay. So uh, uh, every so often they have uh, Spotify singles. And this month uh, there was one with Phoebe Bridgers. People like her. Yes, they do. She did a version of Kyoto with Jackson Brown, which is pretty good. But the thing that was the most uh, uh, emotional, maybe, that's mm-hmm. the word I want to use, mm-hmm. She covered John Prine's song Summer's End with oh. uh, somebody named Maria Taylor. Okay. And the beginning of the song, they played a voicemail that John Prine had sent to Phoebe Bridger. No. Yes. It's really? Sweet. Yes. Oh, I love that. Yes. That's wonderful. So, yeah. Uh, from his last album prior to uh, his death. Passing. So, uh, yeah. Very, uh, very interesting singles there. Mm-hmm. Uh, a song uh, I will have you play now. That's not the thing I just said. A band called Citizen have an album out called Life in Your Glass World, and the song I'd like you to play is called I Want to Kill You. I like them. Uh, I'd never really listened to them a ton, but I was when this single came out, I was excited for the album because I like that single. It's pretty good. Um, the next thing uh, that I thought was pretty good, a band that Tyler and I have seen live called Tiger's Jaw had a new uh-huh. album out called I Won't Care How You Remember Me, and I would like you to play a little bit of uh, the title, title track. track, I Won't Care How You Remember Me. I won't care how you remember me Searching for truth or ignoring it I guess I have to learn to live and let live or die 
It's not a not as noticeable as I thought it would be, but please. So that uh, features the lead singer of Manchester Orchestra, Andy Hall, who continues to be in songs that are great. Uh, last year he was in the uh, the uh, Touche Amour album, uh, featured on a song I really liked, mm-hmm. and he was also featured on Paris Jackson's debut album, which is Michael Jackson's daughter, mm-hmm. which is super interesting. Both of which you have talked about recently, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, in, in, on this show, I believe. Yep. Uh, so yeah, I thought that they, uh, that album was pretty good. I Manchester would... Orchestra, by the way, I believe has a new album coming out in May. That's exciting stuff right so there. So we'll probably end up talking about Manchester Orchestra again here soon. Yes. Keep I your ear out for I that. I would imagine so. Uh, I think probably, so I'll do two quick things and then the last song, cause that's all I got left. Cool. Uh, NF, who is a, uh, Detroit rapper who is highly influenced by Eminem. But he's a Christian rapper, kind of, not real. How can you be a Christian rapper influenced by Eminem? That's interesting. That's I know. a weird. That's a weird sentence to but come he had out of my a, mouth. He had a mixtape that's basically an album called Clouds that came out, and uh, he had a song on there called Story, which is a very interesting song. It's just it's exactly what this title is. It's a story, and I don't want you to play any of it because it tells a story and it's very good. So if you want to listen to that. Uh, do that. I was going to show it to you last night, actually, and then you were listening to other things, Caleb. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, and it was then like two in the morning, and I finally went to bed. Rob Zombie had really? an album come out this month that was pretty interesting. Say the Little, name of the album, please. The Lunar Injection Kool Aid Eclipse Conspiracy. His typical stuff. Of and course. my favorite song on it is called 18th Century Cannibals, Excitable Morlocks, and a One Way Ticket on the Ghost Train. Because the beginning of the song has harmonica, uh-huh. something you would not expect from Rob Zombie. I, I expect everything from Rob Zombie. He now. is a wild man. Wild now. So the last thing is uh, from uh, a man named Rod Wave, who I believe was a Double XL freshman uh, uh, selection, and his album Soulfly just came out, and uh, it's actually pretty good. I. I He's interesting. He's like R&B and rap. He's got a very interesting voice. Uh, but the song I would like you to play is called Street Runner. I don't have any more to say about it. I thought, like I, it. Yeah, I thought. I mean, I like. I I haven't listened to like a full hip hop album in a while, mm-hmm. but that song, like the the single, uh, like made me interested in it. Mm-hmm. And so then I once I saw it was released, I was like, oh, I'll go ahead and listen to the whole thing, and mm-hmm. it was pretty pretty good. Nice. nice. So, the future of rap, maybe. Let's hope so. Um, so real quick. Before I, I get to the, the final point, uh, two not goods. I will sum them up for each. A day to remember. Disappointing. Yes. Justin Bieber expected. Oh. Get through those real fast. Uh, and then finally, uh, because I think we would be remiss not to speak about it now because it is the biggest conversation in music today and will likely be one of the biggest conversations in music for the entirety of the year is Lil Nas X's most recent song, uh, Montero, oh. which is uh, gaining quite a bit of controversy as of this current moment. I'm just curious what other people think about it before we kind of close out. Because, again, I, I, you know, when else would we really talk about it? Um, 
have either of you seen the music video for uh, said song? No. No? I don't I don't think I've seen the video. No. I've heard no. about the thing that people are upset about. Uh, but I don't know if I've sat down and watched that whole video. Gotcha. So uh, I don't have to tell anybody listening uh, really who Lil Nas X is, but um, you might be, you might be too. Who knows? Where I'm going to take? You got it. You already know yeah. what I'm doing here. So Lil Nas X blew up from his Old Town Road song, which uh, really was latched on to by kids. Yes. Um, but Lil Nas X is also uh, gay and. I don't think that many of the parents uh, of children who latched on to Old Town Road are very happy about this new song, Montero, Call Me By Your Name, uh, because of the music video. The music video features Lil Nas X um, kind of in flamboyant um, you know, attire, and near the end of the video, he goes down a stripper pole into hell and then gives the devil a lap dance before snapping his neck. So uh, parents are pretty upset over uh, the satanic imagery. And basically the conversation is that they're like, oh yeah, so now you're trying to uh, corrupt my kids or whatever it might be. And Lil Nas X is like, you have to tell your kids what to listen to. It's not my job. I'm going to make the art that I want to make that's about like my experience, though I'm not sure if his experience is necessarily uh, rooted in giving the devil a lap dance, but not the point. Um, but that's kind of the conversation right now. And I think that the little Nas X conversation of 2021 is going to be very different than the little Nas yes. X conversation of the old. What town is, road where era. does Billy Ray side on here? You know, I don't think, I, I feel they, like Miley, hey, you know, honestly, if he's featured on the, the yeah. song, I think it'll do really well. People will start yeah. liking it more. Miley has had some interesting imagery historically as well, as has like Lady Gaga has used some, some things that people have can, Accused her of being in the Illuminati and also yes. a, a devil person. Yes. So mm -hmm. um, the thing that I saw that I found uh, the most interesting about it is people were like, you know, like they're upset now uh, about this thing, which, you know. But uh, somebody was like, I grew up watching a show where Saddam Hussein had a homosexual relationship with the devil which is uh, South Park. Yes. Yeah. So it's like you weren't outraged then by that devil thing. I mean, the difference is I think that they cartooned, but were they outraged about South Park, and that's the thing. But is that they the other argument is forever. we came out fine and we watched that cartoon. Right. So that's another argument. I don't know. I get, the, I, I get what they're saying is he built his thing – his career. I don't think he did that on purpose, though. I don't think that Old Town children. Road was yeah. made for children. I think kids right, just that's, latched on. It's not made it. for children. It's a, but it's, it's a, about it's it makes like references. It's a video game song, kind of, and kids play video games, but so do adults. So it's like whatever. How's it know. a video game song? Because huh? it's it's like inspired by Red Dead Redemption. Is it? Yeah. Is that kind of the intention of the song? Yes. Okay. Yeah. There's a Lil Nas X put out a video of uh basically like a simulation of red dead as like an like a non-official official video mm -hmm. so like you could tell that that was kind of or he was just also probably trying to like capitalize on that game at that time but sure the thing is that game is rated m for mature so yeah. kids shouldn't be playing it anyway yeah take that parents well this i mean the new this new uh song is explicit anyway yeah so yeah you don't have to well, it doesn't old, take old town road it, was too just quietly 
it's about it's not necessarily about just being a country star like there are references to like alcohol yeah, like and like and stuff yeah like he cheated on his baby you can go and ask her yeah like <laughs> like there's not like you, you let them listen to a song about those things but then when there was imagery you didn't like in a music video that's when you got all upset i i it's an i don't know because like i agree with what you're saying yeah but i'm thinking of like the, the argument of these celebrities as role models Mm -hmm. and the argument is like works both ways because they are role models. Sure. But why as a parent are you picking people that have no interest in like your kids, like growing up and having, you know, like uh, the experience that you want them to have. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, Like uh, this, whatever, like they're not like the, like moral compass. No. Well, I think that we glorify – I've talked about this for a while – is that we glorify celebrities in this kind of, like, unhealthy way. We view yes. them as really the gods of the era right now in a way that we expect them to be perfect human beings mm-hmm. when they are indeed human beings. And so when we when we have these moments where artists do something we don't like, artists, celebrities, whoever it might be, um, we get really bent out of shape about the whole cancel culture thing because – we view them at such a high level and we don't want to bring them down to a human level. And I think that that they kind of pick and choose who they want to, to kind of treat in that way. Lil Nas X again is an artist. He's making the music he wants to make. He's using the imagery he wants to use. And you have to be the one to make the decision on what your children watch uh, and recognize that again, he's a human making his music, not a role model for your children. It's a good song though. I don't know if you have you at least heard the song, the Lil Nas X song. Yeah, the the Montero "Call yeah. Me by Your Name" song. Yeah, I've heard it. Did you like it? Like, do you think it's yeah. like a good song? It may be like a little more uh, commercial for me, but it's I don't think it's bad or anything. I don't know. I like it. I think it's pretty cool. So uh, I'm going to use it to uh, close out the episode. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Record Roundtable, where we talked about the new music that was released within the month of March. And you will hear us again in a month when we talk about the music that came out in April. As always, check out our website, recordroundtable.com, which we definitely paid to keep up. Maybe. Hopefully, at this point. I'm not sure. Not the point. Anyways, uh, thanks for listening, and goodbye. Call me when you want. Call me when you want.